You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. As we launch into our newest teaching series, uh, and we're calling the teaching series Toxic. That's kind of a different name, right? Toxic. So um, with the teaching series in mind, with the theme Toxic, uh, I'm going to throw out a question And I want to go ahead and say it's not a rhetorical question. Actually, um, I actually am anticipating some response. If you don't, I'm going to be left hanging up here by myself. I have to give you the answer. Um, So, again, thinking of the term toxic, the theme toxic, uh, when you hear toxic, what comes to mind? How would you define toxic? And I'm not looking for somebody to give me the correct uh, dictionary um, definition, but I just want to hear what are your impressions when you hear the word toxic? So toxic. Now your turn. <laughs> uh, po- uh, poison, danger, deadly, not good, harmful, questionable, chemical, corrosive. Anybody else? You're all right. There were there were no wrong answers. You all gave parts of the answer. In simplest terms, toxic is anything containing poisonous material that um, has the ability to cause harm, sickness, or even death. Um, during the four weeks of this series, we want to work to identify some of the surrounding forces, I guess I could say, of our culture that work together to um, construct and bring into being um, septic, destructive, toxic um, behaviors and um, mental processes that can often manifest through our own personality. Um, And over the four weeks, we want to take some time to um, consider how we can be impacted by things like toxic influences, uh, toxic religion, toxic thoughts, Toxic words. Those are kind of the things that we're going to look at over the next four weeks. For instance, I'll give you an example. Um, Is it possible that sometime in your past, someone or a group of people have spoken negative words over you or to you or about you uh, that were painful and somehow the pain and the memory of those words have evolved into a a distorted self-perspective of who you are. You've begun to think of yourself uh, in a way that's contrary to who you really are. Is it possible? I'm going to be vulnerable here. I'm going to give you a personal example. Uh, My father, um, because he grew up in the Depression era, uh, never finished his education. He had to drop out of school very early to help take care of the family. There were eight siblings in the family. Um, he was actually an intelligent man. He was very self-taught. I remember my father actually reading the encyclopedia uh, because he wanted to learn. And, and, and he, he did everything. He read well. Um, I always remember him counting and doing math. Um, but he was also, there was an insecurity because he had not formally finished his education. And so with that insecurity, there would be times that I could be in conversation with him. And if he, for some reason, in that insecurity, thought that maybe I was trying to prove that I was smarter than him, he would shut it down. And he would shut it down with this phrase, no one wants to hear from a foreign country. Let me say it again. No one wants to hear from a foreign country. So on one hand, you can say, well, that's kind of harmless. Trust me, it was very harmful. Um, Because what happened is over time, 
um, the memory and even the pain of that. There was a sense of rejection in that. Um, uh, my self-perspective began to evolve into what I have to say is not important. No one wants to hear it. You, you see how words can do that? Now, let me say, I don't live in that anymore. I recognize that I am a new creation in Christ and that um, uh, none of that's true. But I wanted to give you an example of what that could look like or another example. Is it possible because of the ever changing toxic culture that we live in, that we have allowed uh, the beliefs of the culture to uh, redirect how we think? And in that redirection, we have a distorted view or understanding of what it actually means to be a Christian. Somehow we align Christianity with a worldview rather than a biblical view. I mean, is, is that possible? I, yes, it, it is possible. In fact, we see it all around us. Uh, there's so much I could say about that and I won't. Uh, let me give you uh, one, one last example. Is it possible that the personal mental conversations that go on inside of your head, your, your self-talk. You know what self-talk is, right? It's the conversations that I have between me and me. It's the conversations that you have between you and you. Aren't you glad that people can't hear those conversations? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it possible that those conversations can make uh, a septic in how we actually process life. And so we, uh, because of septic thinking, we become a septic person. And then we would actually allow that, that toxicity uh, to spew out onto people around us. Is it possible? And the answer is yes. I think many of us maybe have experienced that from other people. And these are just some of the examples. Listen, the goal of this series is not simply to identify these surrounding forces, but instead... We want to learn how to recognize and remove these, I guess we could say hidden dangers, sometimes not hidden, but these hidden dangers from our lives and replace them with a biblical truth that leads to freedom from the uh, poisonous intent of the toxins. That's what we really want to do. So today, as we step into the message, uh, into the series, uh, we want to begin to discover how to find freedom from toxic thoughts. Um, the foundational passage for today and actually throughout this whole series comes from Proverbs 23, 7. It's there in your notes. It comes from the New King James Version there in your notes. I want us to read it together when I say go. Are you ready? Let's go. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. What does that mean? In other words, our thoughts determine what we become. Think about it. Our thoughts determine what we become. This is a very important truth because what we think determines who we are. And who we are determines what we do. The quality of what we do is based, it's founded on the quality of of our thoughts. So if we want to do great things and God has called all of us to do great things for him in his kingdom, then we have to continuously nurture great thoughts. When we consistently fail to nurture great thoughts, or maybe a better way to say that is when we consistently fail to build 
a framework, a mental framework of healthy mental, emotional and spiritual mental processes, then I believe that what we do is we allow our mind to default to what I would describe as a um, kind of like an old rundown boarding house that has a sign out front that says vacancy, toxic thoughts, toxic thinking, welcomed here. And we can, uh, on one hand, we can describe these, uh, this toxic thinking as hidden and subtle, and sometimes it is, but sometimes it's actually very bold. So uh, on one hand, we can describe it as hidden and sudden, but on the other hand, um, there are times when we are vulnerable, and maybe we're vulnerable because we're tired or we're angry or we're frustrated or we're confused, we're physically or emotionally tired, we become vulnerable. And in that time of vulnerability, what happens is we put up that old rundown boarding house uh, sign that says vacancy, uh, all toxic thinking, welcome, welcome here. In other words, we open up space for toxic thinking to enter in and for us to spiral down. And what's really interesting is toxic thinking can oftentimes come um, after the vulnerability of a great victory. Uh, in other words, we can have a, a great success and then the day following, we can actually find ourselves in the lows of that. We become vulnerable and toxic thinking can then, uh, then begin to, to come in and, and cause us to spiral down. Uh, there's one particular Old Testament story that is a great example of this. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and I'd like for you to turn in the Old Testament to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. Um, we're going to the stories actually uh, in chapters 18 and 19. And while you're turning to chapter 19, I'm going to actually summarize uh, what we would read if we were reading uh, chapter 18. Um, so you're turning to chapter 19. I'm going to summarize chapter 18. Um, if we were to read chapter 18, we would find ourselves as spectators on Mount Carmel at a contest between um, Elijah, the prophet of God, and the 450 prophets of Baal. And um, in that, the rules of the contest were that each team or individual was to build an altar. They were to pre prepare a bull for sacrifice on that altar. And then uh, the catch was they were not able to bring their own fire to the altar for the sacrifice. Instead, they had to call down or up or out to their God and ask God to their God, particular God, to rain down fire from heaven. So uh, the prophets of Baal go first. They build an altar. They uh, they prepare a bull for sacrifice. They take that bull and they lay it on the altar and then they begin their process. They begin to pray. Oh, Baal, rain down fire from heaven and consume uh, the, the, the sacrifice. And they pray and they pray and they pray and, and uh, Baal doesn't do anything. And so then they begin to dance. Oh, Baal, we're praying to you. Rain down fire from heaven because we want you to prove that you're the true God. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. And so they resort to they take their swords and they start slicing themselves, hoping Baal would pay attention and to no avail. Baal does not rain down fire from heaven. We know why, because Baal is a little G God. He's dead. 
It's, it's not possible for him to do that. Meanwhile, uh, Elijah, the prophet of God, has built an altar. And he has uh, prepared a bull for sacrifice. And he's placed that bull on the altar. And um, to one up the prophets of Baal, he takes water and he saturates his altar. And then after um, taunting the prophets of Baal for their ineffectiveness, he calls out to our God, the God that we worship. And he says, God, would you rain down fire from heaven? And guess what? Boom. Fire comes out of heaven. And the sacrifice is consumed. And guess what? The altar is consumed. And guess what? The 450 prophets of Baal are consumed. They're all gone. And now guess what happens? We know that God has been proven to all the people that he is the one true God and that Baal is a prophet of God. That's chapter 18. Now, it would seem to me that it would be very difficult for Um, Elijah, it would seem that after such a great victory that his confidence in God and his self-esteem would be so great that it would be impossible for him to spiral down into uh, toxic thinking. However, that was not the case. I want to read to you in first Kings. uh, I want to read just the first five and a half verses. Um, It says, now Ahab, Ahab was the king at the time, told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life uh, like one of them. So she's threatening him. And then it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. How could that be? Elijah had just seen the power of God the day before. He had seen the awesome power of God rain down fire from heaven. And now this woman, the the, the king's wife, makes a threat against him. And it says he runs for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. How could this happen? How could Elijah go from the elation of victory one day to the defeat of toxic thinking the next day? And I don't know if we can really know, but we can speculate. There was a lot going on. Um. He was probably very tired. And in that weariness, he became vulnerable. And as he was vulnerable, you know, you think about it. On one day, he had experienced the emotional high and the spiritual high. But on the next day, he's at the other side of that, the the spiritual and emotional low. Have you ever had that happen to you? One day you have this incredible success and you're on top of the world. And then the next day, suddenly you feel depressed. You feel depleted. It's like, how could this and this line up? But it is possible. Whatever was going on in Elijah, uh, this vulnerability gave place to toxic thinking. And it's as if Elijah put up the sign on this rundown boarding house that he had allowed to exist for at least one day. And and it said vacancy, toxic thinking welcomed in Elijah's mind. Come off, come, just come, bring the negative in. I'm here. Because what was his what was his. His, his toxic thinking was, I want to die. 
I've had enough. I'm a loser. If I think about my family who were losers, I'm no better off than the rest of the family. I'm a loser. I have had enough. He allowed this toxic thinking. Uh, Fortunately, if you read the rest of the story, he doesn't remain in that state for a long time. He was able to pull himself out of it. But there was a period of time where Elijah gave place to toxic thinking. Now, let me ask you. If someone were to be able to overhear your self-talk, if someone could hear the conversations going on between you and you, I know we said we're thankful that no one could hear it, but imagine that for a brief period of time on your most vulnerable day, that someone could hear, what would they hear? What kind of self-talk would they hear? Would it be filled with... um, uh, Septic, destructive, toxic, poisonous talk? Would the thoughts be negative? What what would they hear? What would they overhear as they're listening? See, self-talk can sound like this. I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. My life doesn't matter. No one really cares about me. If I weren't around, no one would even notice. Um... All I do is mess things up. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. I'm worthless. My life stinks. Um, I never get any of the breaks like other people. God, you never come through for me. You do it for everybody else, but you never come through for me. Why do I have to suffer all the time? Why does life have to be so hard? I'm a loser. I just want to die. Does any of that sound familiar? First service gave it away more than you. I have a lot of people there, but they were going, mm-hmm. You know what? I join all of you in saying, yes. I, I've had those kinds of self-talk before. Listen, I believe that one of the greatest things that all of us can do is uh, one of the best practices ongoingly is to consistently take uh, or assess uh, the toxicity of our thoughts. I think that we need to continually be um, assessing what's going on inside. We need to be asking questions. Um, In my thinking, in my thought processes, um, is there anything that's destructive, poisonous, septic, toxic? Is it there? And and if so, then you have to ask, um, how is this affecting my behavior? How is this affecting my um, perspective? How is this affecting my personality? How is this affecting the people around me? What is the effect of my toxic thinking? And then I think we have to ask, what is it that fuels these self-talk, this conversation that goes on inside of my head? What is it that fuels the self-talk? You see, the conversations that go on inside of our head Uh, on one hand, can be fueled by a toxic, culturally confused lack of understanding of who we are. In other words, we allow the culture to redirect our thinking and the culture begins to determine, we allow the culture to determine what our identity is. And typically, and I can almost say always, when we do that, what the culture is telling us doesn't come in alignment with what the Word of God would tell us. Or... Our self-talk, our private conversations can be uh, fueled 
by Christ-centered, Christ-focused, Christ-infused understandings of who we are in Him. In other words, that we understand my identity is not as the world might say, but instead my identity is that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The old has passed away and the new has come. I am a new creation. I love the song that we sing uh, from time to time. I am all he says I am. Uh, After first service, um, Sandy Arbor was here and she just took my hands and she said, I am his beloved. Oh, (laughs) just so many ways I could go right now. Um, What is it that fuels our self-talk? In order for this to become a reality, for us to be, um, for our our identity and our, our self-talk to be directed uh, by our Christ-centered identity, we have to be willing to fight the battle of the mind. That, that's where it begins. Why? Because our mind is the home of our thought life. It all happens up here. This is where the battlefield is. Ephesians chapter 6 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but instead we wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of the air. So what that tells me is, um, Stephen, Jen, it's not between you two or whomever. I'm not picking on them. Uh, but, but there's something that's happening. There's, uh, we have a, there, are, there are spiritual forces, the dark forces that we don't see who are continually... Firing the darts at our mind. Um, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, it, uh, it talks about the full armor. It talks about the fiery darts of the enemy. And I believe that those darts are fired at our mind. Uh, the desire of our enemy is um, that we would uh, uh, be led, that we would be filled, that we would be saturated with toxic thinking because toxic thinking actually uh, hinders us in our relationship with God. When we're involved in toxic thinking, then we're thinking contrary to what the word of God tells us about ourselves. And so the battle, the battle, the greatest battle is in the mind. And, and that's that's where we have to fight. Um, so how do we do that? How do we fight this battle? Um, you can go to your notes now. <laughs> uh, how do we fight? How do we win the battle of the mind? Listen, winning the battle of the mind begins as we learn to identify and reject the toxic thoughts. We have to identify and reject the toxic thoughts. Um, There's a passage of scripture in your notes, Proverbs 4.23. It's actually there in two different versions, the New New International Version and the Contemporary English Version. I want us to read that passage in both of those translations. Uh, So we'll read the NIV first. Are you ready? Let's go. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And now in the common uh, contemporary English version, let's go. Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of life. Our thoughts are our source of life. If we could just grab on to this truth, this reality. Um, I have no doubt that there is more mental toxic waste aimed at us than I could ever begin to describe or define. And so I'm not going to try, but I can give four 
aspects of mental toxic waste that I think that we're all susceptible to. So let me walk you through these. The first is pessimism. Pessimism. Pessimism is negative thinking. It's when negative thoughts are produced because of a lack of hope and confidence in the future. And I would say because of a lack of hope and confidence in God. I believe that when we get into negative thinking, we're doubting God. We, our, our confidence in God is, is, is pulled back. Pessimism uh, manifests itself in um, uh, thinking that the worst that can happen will happen. You know anybody like that? That the worst that can happen will happen. And I believe that pessimism is rooted in Satan's lie of, uh, of being a victim. Uh, I, I believe that the lie that the enemy fires at us is that uh, when we're caught up in pessimism is that uh, I'm a victim. Everybody and everything's out to get me. And that's just how it's always going to be. Things will never change. If it's bad, it's going to happen to me. That's that's pessimistic thinking. The second one is worry. Mental toxicity, worry. Worry is a close relative to pessimism, but instead of producing negative thoughts, it produces fearful thoughts. Um, uh, uh, worry uh, causes... Uh, well, let me say, worry is rooted in the, in the question, what if? What if? Um, what if this cold that I have isn't really a cold? What if it's cancer? What if I die? What if I lose my job? What if I'm in a wreck tomorrow? What if something happens to one of the kids? What if? What if? What if? Uh, all of you know, I think most of you know, we have two boys, uh, two, two adult sons, 33 and 28. And um, I'm so thankful because they call often and they ask for advice. Or sometimes it's, um, Dad, could you just talk me through this? And so as I'm listening, what I'm hearing is, and I'll say, um, Adam, Zach, whomever I'm talking to, there's one common phrase that I keep hearing. What is it? And I'll go, I know, Dad, it's what if. What if? And so we have to talk through, you're spending your time thinking about what possibly could happen, but probably never will. And that's what happens when we give place to the toxic thinking of worry. We spend our time so preoccupied with what could happen, but probably never will, that we almost forget how to live in reality because we're living in fear. Uh, a third mental toxic waste is bitterness. Bitterness pollutes our thinking with discontentment and envy. Um, bitterness is fueled by asking the question, why? Um, why can't I find the job like he found? Why can't I find a job like she found? Why doesn't my wife treat me like uh, his wife? Why doesn't my husband treat me like her husband? Um, you know, uh, why? It's just the ongoing why. Uh, why don't I ever get the breaks? Um, and, and I think that bitterness, and when you think of it in these terms, is, is, is really rooted in comparison. That we're so busy comparing that we find ourselves discontent because we're envious of what other people have. And then bitterness sets in and it, it, it distorts our thinking. And then finally, criticism. Criticism. Criticism gives place to destructive, judgmental thoughts in our mind. It's the ability to find fault with just about anything. Do you know anybody like this? Yeah. Find faults with people, buildings, companies, churches, restaurants, restaurant menus, the floor, the stairs, the stage, the ceiling, the clock, the screens, the smell, 
the walls, the color. I mean, I'm I've I've known people like this. He raised me. (laughs) I love my dad. He's. Um, Let me ask, has your thought life ever been polluted by any of these? Has your thought life ever been polluted by these? And if so, then the next step is to decide, then what am I going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? How do we reject the pollution? Uh, How do we fight this battle of the mind? And so I want you to take your Bibles once again, and I want you to turn to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read three verses to you. Chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. And honestly, we could do a whole series on these three verses, but that's not what our series is right now. So I won't. Uh, But there's a great truth here. 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to begin in verse 3. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen to this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want to focus on that last verse because this is where the fight is. We have to be able to identify where the toxic, poisonous thinking is. We have to be able to identify it. The way we identify it is we, we measure it against the truth of God's word. Okay, this is what I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking that I'm worthless. I don't count for anything. I'm no good. Life stinks. Well, that thought does not measure up with what the word of God says about me. And so I have to grab that thought. I have to take it captive and I have to pull it into alignment with God's word. What does God's word say about me? I've already said it. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. My identity is that I am a new creation. I am covered by his blood. I am not a loser, but I am his beloved. Because I've been forgiven of my sin. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, so do you see what it, so that's what the verse is saying. You, you take captive every thought that is contrary to the, to the knowledge of God. What God tells us about who we are and about life. We grab it and we pull it. And it has to submit to the authority of Christ in our lives. And we begin to live as the new creation. And that really sets us up for step two. We replace toxic thoughts with God's truth. We replace toxic thoughts with God's truth. Um, One of the things you've heard me say and you will continue to hear me say from now to eternity is that we must be a people who have a consistent intake of the word of God. It really isn't optional if we're going to fight the battle of the mind. We need to be consistent in daily times where we're reading the word and we're studying the word and we're applying the word. It's like, because I don't have time in my schedule. You don't have time not to. You really don't have time not to do this. 
Because if we're going to win the battle of the mind, we've got to have the truth of God in the reservoir so that when the toxic thinking comes, we have something to bring it into alignment with. If the reservoir is empty, then guess what? That toxic thinking is going to continue to spiral you down and down and down. And you're going to feel like you have no hope. But if you can pull from the word of God and you can bring it into submission, then the battle of the mind, you win. You win. Because the battle against you will never succeed. Um, I want you to look at one last scripture. It's in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. One verse. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does it say? Think about such things. This week, I want to give you a homework assignment. I want you to daily... And it may be that you have to do it multiple times in your day to conduct a toxicity test. I want you to ask, what's going on in my thought life? Are my thoughts contrary to what the Word of God tells me about who I am? Are my thoughts, is is the way I think, different from the truth of God's Word? And then, uh, as you identify them, I want you to put this to practice. I want you to grab them... And bring them under the authority of God's word. So what you can do is if, if, if you find in your thought life, there's a reoccurring thing. Maybe it's, I'm no good. I, 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 I'm a loser. I'm worthless. Then you go to God's word if it's not already in your reservoir. And you find what the Bible says about you. What has God said about you? You pull that into your reservoir and then you go, uh, worthless, toxic thinking? No. I reject you. You must come in alignment with what the Word of God says, that I am the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am His beloved. He died for me. I have forgiveness of my sin. You, be, you just continue. You grab those thoughts and you bring it in. And I promise, I promise that if you do that, life will look very different from you a week from now. I, I, I promise. Would you stand? I'm going to pray for you. Pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence in this place today. Uh, Thank you for great worship. Thank you for great people. And thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit. Uh, Thank you that you have brought it to life. I pray, Lord, that we would allow the word to transform us as we continue throughout this week. I pray that as we conduct our own personal uh, toxicity test, as we assess uh, the, the, 
the toxic potential toxic levels of our own thinking that you would reveal to us by the Holy Spirit. I pray that we could find truths in your word to place in our spiritual reservoir and that when those thoughts come, that we would reject them and bring them into submission to the obedience of Jesus Christ, that we would bring them into alignment so we would have a true understanding of who we are, because that will guide our thinking. Father God, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you can empower us to do this. And I believe completely as we do it, that in a week's time, in a month's time, in a year's time, we will find ourselves completely different in our mental processes because they will be spiritual in nature and free from the toxins of our culture. And so, Father God, we give this to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.